This episode has a couple of grown-up themes, so adult guidance is recommended. My guest today describes herself as a boy mum. She won a Football World Cup with the USA in 2019 and has three National Women's Soccer League titles. She's also a very powerful voice in women's soccer, fighting for racial and gender equality. Hi, Jessica McDonald, and thanks for chatting to me. Hi, thank you for that intro. That was awesome. Probably one of the best intros, actually, that I've done in an interview. So thank you so much for having me. Appreciate it. Um, and just before we go any further, I actually discovered that your grandmother's name is Abby, like me, um, and it's spelled the same way. So I just thought that was super cool. Yeah, my, my favorite person ever in the world. Um, my biggest support system is my grandma. And yeah, anyone who I meet who's the name Abby, I, I go crazy and I will never forget your name ever. So if we ever cross paths in 20 years, I will definitely remember your name because of her. So yeah, she's, she's definitely <laughs> laid quite a path for me in my life. So yeah, love the name Abby overall. And since we're talking about her, she actually helped to raise you. And like you've said, she's been like, she's a huge part of your life. Can you tell me a bit about the influence that she's had on you? Yeah, she was a mother of nine children or she is a mother of nine children and she was also a single mom to top it off and so that alone is obviously very powerful i don't know how she did it like with me with one child you know that's already challenging enough but nine i can only imagine and so growing up old school for her she was able to move the family out of the projects and moved our family into a much better suburb in, in Arizona. And so she has raised pretty much our whole family, honestly, from her nine children to pretty much all of her grandchildren to one, have a good education. My whole family, we've all graduated high school. That's always been just like the number one rule. And so she's just huge on obviously everyone supporting one another. And so we have such a big family and our family gatherings are just so huge, but we always come to her. And so her support has been just absolutely immaculate, kind of out of this world. And it's kind of cool, but like she grew up such a sports nut. Like if you went to her house right now, as we speak, she would have some type of sport on her TV right now, whether if it's baseball, American football, soccer, I mean, you name it, she watches everything. And so her support for us as athletes, we all pretty much played a sport growing up. She was always there. She's always in the stand. So that was something that I was always able to rely on. And she was very adamant about that. And so that has played such an important role in my life because not everyone has a good support system in their lives, like no matter what they're doing. You know, I've had friends whose parents, um, grandparents, siblings who never really attended events that they have done. But me, I can always rely on my grandmother being there and Anytime I'm anywhere near the vicinity of her house, she's always there. And so it's been definitely life-changing for all of us in the family. Anytime we need grandma, she's always been the backbone of this family. And so, you know, without her support and her love that she has for all of us, really, and myself included, I, I wouldn't be sitting here. You know, I, I wouldn't be or made it as far as I had within my career without her help, without her knowledge and without her support. And so... She's always been really adamant about that. Like, you want to talk about a true grandma? She's a true grandma. And she's just always been amazing with any and everything that you've ever needed help with in your life. And that's played such a huge role in my life. It sounds amazing. 
And speaking of family, your brother Brandon is a little bit older than you and he's also a soccer player. And I read an old interview from when you went to college and you said that he was the athlete that you and um, you admired the most. Were you already into soccer when you were little or did you kind of follow like in his footsteps? So my first time playing, I was five years old and I played on a co-ed team with him and not just him, it, my cousin Curtis as well. We all played together, boys and girls, obviously. And I grew up more so of a multi-sport athlete. Basketball was probably my primary sport until I was probably about 20, 21 years old until I really started to focus on, on soccer. But I started to play club soccer. So I skipped about seven years of soccer after playing co-ed with my brother. And he had always stuck with soccer. That was always just his sport. You know, he dabbled into other things here and there in high school, but soccer has always been his primary sport growing up. And that was just always his focus. And so I grew up going to a lot of his games, a lot of his tournaments. And so I came to an off season when I was in the seventh grade and my grandma and my mom were just kind of like, okay, what are you going to do next? You know, you can't just be you know, at home after school doing nothing, which obviously I never really did. I was so, always such an active kid. And so I was like, you know what, let me try soccer, you know, because the club that my brother was playing for, they always saw me out there. I'd always be kicking the ball to the net at halftime at his games. And so they knew my athletic ability. And so they had been asking me to come and play for them for a long time. And I really started off playing at more of a competitive level when I was 12 years old. And so it was amazing to actually have someone to look up to when I first started off and, you know, continuing on in my career path with soccer. And that was obviously my brother, Brandon, because he has succeeded so well in his career from, you know, when he was younger up until his adulthood. And so it was just nice to obviously have him to look up to from, you know, having the accolades that he had in high school, going into college, playing internationally and obviously playing professionally. So I was like, you know what? That's exactly what I'm going to do too. And so that's exactly what I wanted to do once, you know, I fell in love with the game of soccer was just to continue to follow in his footsteps. And, you know, I'm, I'm grateful and blessed to have been able to have done that. So obviously you played in that co-ed team with your brother when you were about five years old, but then you stopped playing for quite a long time. Did you stop because you didn't enjoy it or did you want to focus on basketball or any other sports? Oh yeah. It, it wasn't that I didn't fall in love with it. I love soccer. I always, always have, you know, soccer has always been a primary sport in my family. Our mother even played and it was at a time where there were no women's teams. This was in the eighties and she was the only woman on the men's soccer team at our high school. So soccer has always been, you know, really the primary sport in our family. And it was just something I was always surrounded by. So I always loved the sport, but you know, I was also very active in everything else because I loved playing all sports, not just soccer. And so it was like, okay, when I got a little bit older, I was like, okay, like, all right, let's play soccer now. And so it was nice to just be able to have that opportunity to play again. So it wasn't more so that I didn't love the game. I just continued to love it, but you know, I wanted to do everything else. And then uh, moving forward a bit, the college you went to in North Carolina um, had some really famous male athletes that went there like basketball and Michael Jordan. What was it like for the female teams compared to the men's teams um, in those days? Yeah, I, yeah. So it's, it's amazing to have, you know, seen like the Mia Hams before my time and obviously Michael Jordan playing there. These are the best of the best athletes growing up to me. And these were my idols growing up. And so they definitely put Carolina on the map. And so 
going from the 80s where women's sports wasn't really a thing into, you know, the early 2000s when I was there, um, you know, it was amazing that, you know, the Mia Hams have really paved the way for us and, and the Cindy Parlows as well. And so I think with the program at UNC starting off so well, we obviously had this chip on our shoulders to continue that success when I was there. And so it was just amazing to become a Tar Heel because that had always been my dream school growing up. And to be able to go there and make an impact was obviously a, a dream come true for me. So it was just amazing to be able to represent the school, you know, after some of the best of the best athletes that have come out of there. And on a bit of a different note, you have been really passionate about both gender equality and also racial equality in your sport. Have you always kind of been naturally like that, like a fighter, or is it something that you've learned to speak up about as you've gotten older? Yeah, it's definitely been something that I have learned as I've gotten older to speak up and speak out about because believe it or not, when I was much younger, I was actually very shy. I was more so of an introvert and I still have a little bit of that in me. But since having a voice and having more so of a platform, you know, I'm able to use my voice more. And so when I felt, you know, back in the day, I was kind of a nobody, just someone who was trying to make it and trying to have an impact. Once I did, it was like, okay, now I can use my voice for, you know, gender equality, equity, you know, all of the above. And so it's been an amazing fight, an amazing battle for those who want to be in our shoes one day, who shouldn't have to work as hard as we did, who shouldn't be underpaid. And so once realizing that when I became an adult, I had more of an understanding in comparison to when I was younger. And so I think with that education and, and learning more about it has truly helped me use my voice. And so it's been an amazing fight so far. And, you know, it's definitely been a historical movement for sure globally, not even just within the United States and USA Women's National Soccer Team, but it's been a, a massive, massive global movement. And it's been nice to fight for all women out there, not just ourselves. And with the racial inequality, some people say that politics should stay out of sport. But why do you think that it's important for athletes to talk about that and like address these issues? Yeah, it's going back to a couple of questions ago. It's because we have a platform and because we have voices. And, you know, we are people who others look up to. And so that's kind of the role that we play as athletes. And so obviously politics are obviously going to play a huge part in, in our world as athletes, and it will continue to do so once things have become equal for us as, you know, the minority. And so, you know, we will continue to use our voices and obviously fight the good fight for that. And after the Black Lives Matter protests in 2020, a lot of people did things to try to highlight racial um, um, issues like players in the old WNBA players wore um, BLM t-shirts and got in trouble for it. What was that time like for you? Yeah, um, I guess not a lot of people <laughs> know what it's like to even be Black in general. And so when you are a minority and you know, when you're growing up, things are different for you. You know, we are more so walking on eggshells in our lives. And it's it's kind of an intimidating place to be in as a person of color. So when 2020 came about, obviously it was COVID year and the world had realized after the George Floyd killing from the hands of police officers that 
this isn't right. And so it's more so the younger generation right now who are making the biggest impact ever in history. And so these are some of the most educated generations, you know, ever. So from millennials on down and younger, this is one of the most educated, you know, group of people. And so with that mass majority, this is where, you know, racism was really shed into the light more so than it ever has been, except for probably the Martin Luther King days. But this is, you know, something that we've always wanted to fight for, but it's been really intimidating to do so because we don't know what's going to happen to us. And so once 2020 hit, we realized how powerful that was. Once we saw these younger generations really having our backs, you know, with all the marches that have happened, not even just within the United States, but literally globally. I saw a march in Germany one day where there was just thousands and thousands of people who were marching for Black Lives Matter. And so it's just really amazing to have that support from from other races and other ethnicities other than our own, because obviously this is something that's bigger than us. And so with this fight, I think, you know, there will be change that's going to be created. And so after the, the 2020 movement, this is something that is obviously historical and something that's going to continue until we see change. And as much as we do want the change, um, in terms of racial inequality, do you think much has changed while you've been a professional athlete? Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think with those who are in office now, not even just the White House, but, you know, in, in other states from governors to senators, you know, a lot of them, there's a lot of younger people who are in office now. And so I think with the younger generation coming into par, becoming leaders in our nation, specifically in the United States, um, you know, change has definitely been created for sure. And so you know, the light is still continuing to be shed and it's because of the leadership that we have. And obviously those who actually have a platform as well, not just those who are in office, but I mean, from musicians to athletes, I mean, you name it from any career field, anyone who has a voice will continue to use their voice. And that's definitely been helping create change for sure. Like I mentioned at the beginning, you're a boy mom um, and your son Jeremiah is 10 now. Did becoming a mom give you a different kind of perspective on what female athletes have to like go through and need? 100%. That has always been a tough fight for me for probably about eight of the 10 years my son has been alive. And so now we're starting to see support within our league and the WSL, the A-League, which was the W-League back in the day when I first became a mom, didn't support me being a mom. And so it's it's been really tough fighting that fight for, you know, future moms because I had a lot of friends who had retired from soccer at such an early age who had immaculate talent in this sport, but they ended up retiring because they wanted to become moms and there was no support for that. And so now there's support for moms. And so it's it's definitely been a challenge for me as a mom, but since being one, Jeremiah has truly inspired me to obviously fight the good fight and I can show him the way to succeed. And, you know, that's fighting the good fight. And obviously like your pathway in your life is never just going to be a straight line. Like, Oh, I want to become this. This is exactly what I'm going to do. But there's always something, some type of adversity, some type of fight that you're going to have to go through in order to get to where you want to get to. 
And so with him, you know, I started off in the NWSL and the W League. You know, a lot there were a lot of training sessions where, you know, my son was on the sideline in a stroller by himself. You know, he just had his bottle and, and toys. And so that was hard. It was hard to find a sitter. It was hard to afford a sitter or afford to take him to daycare. And so now we have maternity leave in our league. Now we have, you know, nannies that are, are being hired. Now we have now we have the support. And I'm like, wow, where has this been my son's entire life? And so it's definitely been the biggest challenge in my life. But it's also been inspiring as well because you know, there were times I wanted to give up because I wasn't getting paid enough and I had no support as a mom. And so it was easy to give up, but I never did because that's not the way I wanted to show my son. That's how life is like, okay, something got hard in your life. Just quit. Like, absolutely not. And so I wanted to show him the complete opposite. And so I think I did a pretty good job at doing that, but he will always continue to inspire me to be the greatest athlete and the greatest mom that I, I can possibly be that um like kind of inspiring Jeremiah is that like a big part of the reason why you're still playing soccer to kind of like inspire him and show that you know women can do this stuff oh absolutely because we had not we hadn't always had the support you know and so to show him like hey buddy this is what mommy went through and whatever he does in his life you know he can use my story as inspiration because he's at an age now he's 10 years old he's at an age now he's gonna remember everything He's, he's going to remember the ups, the downs, all the trades that I had gone through in, in my career. And so I just want him to use my story as inspiration for himself to be successful at whatever, whatever it is that he chooses to do with his life. And I think I saw somewhere that when Jeremiah was little, he would sometimes have to work like 11 hour shifts because you weren't getting paid enough um, playing soccer. Is that all like true? Yeah. So I was working a full-time job. Um, at Amazon, I was packing boxes and my hours were 11 and a half hour days with two breaks and one lunch break. So it was three breaks in total. And that all added up into like 11 and a half hours. And then after I would go and work at Amazon, which would be from about 6 a.m. to 6.30 p.m., then I would go out and train so I could stay in shape for the following season. And I would also try and run camps to make extra money. I would try and, you know, coach other kids so I could make extra money. And so, I mean, 11 and a half hour days really turned into about 16. And so that was probably one of the toughest times in my life. And that was one of those times where I felt like giving up and I felt like quitting, but I couldn't because I, I have a kid that I needed to support, obviously. And so he's really what kept kept me going. But there were a lot of us and still I have teammates here at Western United who work full-time jobs. And so I'm just hoping that one day female athletes won't have to work double jobs in order to make ends meet. So it's, it's still happening and it's still ongoing. And so we're just waiting for that to change for, for female athletes. And now a bit about when your soccer career first um, kind of kicked off. So your first pro team was in 2010 um, with the Chicago Red Stars. And that team included Megan Rapino, um, who we all know is like an amazing activist for many issues. Was she like that when you first met her? And if so, how did she impact you? Oh, always. She was, she was always an immaculate athlete. But at the end of the day, she was always an immaculate person. And she still is. She's absolutely phenomenal. And so this is something that the public just doesn't see every day within 
the female warrior that she is. And so she's always spoken up anytime she needed to. And it's been absolutely amazing over the years to obviously see her voice progress. You know, she started off somewhere and now she's, you know, up at the top right now with her voice. And so it's been absolutely amazing to see her grow as a woman and obviously continue to grow as an advocate for, for all rights, you know, what's right and what's wrong. And so it's, it's really cool to have seen from the first day, you know, right off the bat with her into today, transitioning into today. Um, and in your early years as a pro athlete, did the players talk much about the difference in pay and conditions for the women and men? Oh, absolutely. That's, that's always been a discussion because like I said, we, we all worked extra jobs in order to make ends meet. And so it was just like, okay, well, this sucks that we have to do this, but you know, we got to do what we got to do. And so it was always about the love of the game and it still is, but now we're like, okay, it's 2022. It's, it's about that time we get paid at this point. And instead of getting paid, you know, minimum wage. And so it's always been a discussion. It's just, it was just always a matter of who do we talk to? How can we create this change? Where do we go? Where do we start? And so we've finally been able to do that. And so it will continue until we get what we've asked for. Yeah. And so then in March of 2019, only three months before the World Cup, the US women's team, which you were part of, filed a lawsuit against the US Soccer Federation for gender discrimination. Why was it so important for the players to make that decision? And why do you and why did you guys order to do it? decide to do it so close to the World Cup? Yeah, so I'll never forget Megan Rapino and Becky Sauerbrunn, who were two of our captains at the time. And they were like, look, we're filing this lawsuit. This is what it's about. Everyone needs to be on board because the bigger the number, the better the fight. And so it was all about the fight. And we knew once we filed that lawsuit that we were really going to have to prove ourselves like, okay, we're going to follow this lawsuit. Then we better freaking win the world cup. Like we, we have no choice. So we had a much bigger chip on our shoulders than the world really realized up until we got to France. And so we followed the lawsuit. And then the only thing we wanted to focus on was the world cup. There were so many reporters. I mean, any and everybody, social media who asked us a bunch of questions about the lawsuit leading into the world cup, but we kept our mouths sealed because they wanted so much information out of us. But the only thing we wanted to focus on was winning. And so that's exactly what we did. And going into the World Cup in France, we didn't realize how big this story was going to be until we were in France and staying. I have goosebumps right now talking about, like, talking about it right now. So our last three games from the quarterfinal, semifinal to the final, we're in a whole other country. We're not in the United States. We're in France. And we had between 60 and like 90,000 fans in each of these stadiums screaming equal pay, equal pay, equal pay. And we're like, holy moly, this is absolutely insane because we didn't know this was going to turn into something global. This was something that we were fighting, you know, really for ourselves and for the little girls who wanted to be in our shoes one day. And so to have that support in a whole nother country, you know, we obviously were uplifted in those stadiums and we were uplifted during that time. And it was like, okay, let's go. And that was kind of like our trademark at the time. And so we used that lawsuit 
as more of a motivation than people really realize. But that was something that we kept to ourselves as a collective. And so it was just so inspiring from the fan base in France to help us win the World Cup, honestly, because that support was just absolutely amazing. Where we went into the World Cup thinking we were the underdogs, thinking, you know, nobody wanted to see us win or people didn't think we were going to win. But to hear those stadiums screaming equal pay, we were like, oh, yeah, this is a global movement. And this is some historical mess that we never realized was going to turn into something this big. And so we were like, okay, this is a cool platform to be on. This is freaking amazing. Now let's win this whole thing. And so that's exactly what we did. And we just completely ran with it because at that point we were like, okay, we won. Now it's time to fight. And so you guys did it also um, for like all the little girls that want to play one day. So this was more than just about the money, wasn't it? Oh, 100%. This was not, at first it was more so like, okay, this is for all the little girls who want to be in our shoes. But then once we realized this was a global issue for women everywhere, I mean, all the meetings that we sat into with, I mean, actresses, CEOs, managers, bosses, I mean, you you name it. We were sitting in these meetings and and brunches with just so many different types of people in different career fields, and like even nannies, thinking talking about the pay that they've had and and had endured during their careers and how underpaid women are in general globally. So we were like, okay, well, this is clearly bigger than female soccer players, and for the little girls who want to be in our shoes as female soccer players, this is a whole global issue for all women. And so we're like, okay, what do we have to do? And so being in on these meetings, it was just like so inspiring and so eye-opening for me as a woman. And it was like, okay, this is a fight for every woman, every female, and every little girl out there globally who wants to do whatever they want to do with their lives, not just to play soccer, but anything in the world. And so that's what really sparked this fight for us was like, okay, we had to win this thing. We can't just win it for these little girls who want to be in our shoes one day, but we have to win it for all the women out there. We have to win it for all the little girls who want to be in any of our shoes, whether if it's an athlete, whether if you want to be a boss, whether, you know, you do end up becoming a nanny or whatever the case may be, or an actress, whatever. This is, this is a fight for our future generation and our current generation as well. So how does all this stuff like um, racial issues, not being paid enough money, being a mom, how does it um, impact how well um, you guys can, you can train and play? Yeah. So being in interviews like this, you know, this will be something that's set out on social media. And so a lot of people are going to listen in on this. So it's all about continuing to talk about these issues with any and everybody. And so once the issues have at some point been talked about and that's where we need to make a difference. That's where the difference needs to be made at some point during these talks. So this interview will go out, people will watch it and this will be educational for some people. And so people who watch this, you know, maybe they'll talk to the next person about it. Okay. Oh, these are the issues. This, I didn't realize this. I didn't realize that, you know, this is, it's just a domino effect from here. And so when we continue to talk about these issues, that's where change will be created. And so a few months ago, the U.S. soccer announced that the U.S. men and women would equally share the prize money at World Cups. How did that make you feel? Oh, excited. Are you kidding me? It's kind of like, wow, finally. It was very refreshing. Probably one of the most refreshing feelings I've had in a very long time. 
And there are a lot of female athletes in lots of different sports at the moment looking for more quality, better pay and better conditions. What advice would you have for all of them? Keep fighting the good fight. It sucks that we have to fight and continue to fight, but you can't get what you want without saying something, without doing something. So continue doing what you love, but keep asking for it because you will deserve it at the end of the day. You know you deserve it. And so don't stop until you get there. Don't stop until it's going to be a change for the younger generation as well, because we are the start of it right now. Even though women didn't have voices years ago, like my grandmother, for example, she didn't have a voice back in her day, but I do right now. And so I have to use that as inspiration to continue to help create and fight change. And whoever out there is listening to this, that's the information I'm going to give to you. Think about the women back in the day who had no voices and know that you have a voice now being able to create that change. If you want change, you got to fight for it. And on a bit of a different note, like you mentioned earlier, you're originally from Phoenix, Arizona, and you're a bit of a legend over there. In fact, in November last year, the mayor of Phoenix announced that the 26th of November was Jessica McDonald Day. What is it like having your own day and what cool stuff do you kind of get out of it? Oh, it's it's obviously an honor to have my own day back in my hometown. And so it's been really cool to be able to represent my family name, you know, not even just globally, but within within my city where I'm from, within the state where I'm from. And so it's been absolutely amazing to be able to represent that because that's where my roots are from. And so it's just been really cool to be able to represent that and, and have my own day and, and celebrate with my friends when the day does come. Don't you think you should be able to like go into like any shop in Phoenix and just like get whatever you want for free? Let me go ahead and reach out to the mayor and see if I can go ahead and do that. <laughs> I think you should do that. <laughs> Definitely. Well, now it's time for the make So these are some questions that um, other people have asked. Rebecca asks, 2019 World Cup, and did you have a favorite teammate? Well, Adriana French and I, she was our backup goalkeeper. We became really close friends because we were roommates throughout most of the tournament. And so it was really cool to get to know her um, personally. You know, they they switched roommates around a little bit, but she was mostly my roommate throughout most of, most of um, the World Cup. And so it was just amazing to create a new friendship, not just a teammate, but literally a, a true friend. Um, and Rachel would like to know, which country do you think is the biggest threat to the U.S. at the World Cup? I would say right now it's a two-way tie between England and Spain. I Yeah, I would. it's a two-way tie between those two countries right now. Um, and Iris has two questions. Firstly, what advice do you have for girls starting out in football? You're going to make mistakes and accept the fact that you're going to make mistakes. It's totally normal and it's okay. But that's where you learn to get better is learning from your mistakes. And do you have any tips or tricks for training? One of the best tips I could probably give you is perfect your strengths. Whatever position that you play, whatever you know that you're good at in football, perfect that because you're never going to be like another player. There's no players out there that are exactly alike. Everyone brings their own strengths to the table and that's what makes you good. So perfect your strengths and that's what's going to make you stand out. But obviously work on your, work on your weaknesses as well. Whatever your weaknesses are, that's also very important. But perfect your strengths. If you know that you're good in small pockets of space, 
continue working in small pockets of space at training or on your own, whatever the case may be, but perfect those strengths. And that's what's going to make you stand out. And I've got one final question from eight-year-old Stella, which is on video, actually. Hi, Jessica. I really want to know how many goals you've kicked in your career. And I'm Stella. Oh, oh, thanks for that question, Stella. I actually have no idea. I'm going to have to count. But if it were in the NWSL, I would say it's about 54 goals right now, maybe 55, something like that. But as far as my whole career, I actually have no idea. I have no number on that one. And I've just got one final question um, from me. My final question is this. So you're still playing some great soccer, but you're probably in the last few years of your career without sounding annoyed. As an athlete, what do you hope you will be remembered for when you do eventually retire? Hopefully the impact that I have had for moms, for other female athletes and teammates, younger teammates, I just want to leave an impact in different people's lives with what I do. And so I think at the end of the day, that'll be a very refreshing feeling for me, knowing that I've had an impact in this game on people. Um, well, Jess, I've loved chatting to you today. Thanks for joining me on Her Way, Her Story. Thank you so much for having me, Abby. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening. To support Her Way, visit the link in the description section.